welcome to season two of the ISC podcast. My name is Genevieve Stowe, and throughout this series, I will talk with industry leaders about their career journeys and what they've learned along the way. It won't just be me doing the interviewing though, there'll be cameos from the ISC team and even some ISC members too. Some of these episodes have been pre-recorded with a live audience. Therefore, some of the questions you hear will have come from ISC members themselves, and we request your patience with any technical issues we might have had. In this week's episode of the podcast, ISC US Chair Margaret Ressi Milken speaks with Grace Vandercruz in August 2020. This week's episode is quite exciting for us at ISC because it coincides with the launch of our US chapter. If any of you listening would like to attend the launch event, then please do get in touch. Grace shares her extraordinary career journey and the hurdles that she has overcome to become an expert in M&A and MDM founder of Grace Global Capital. Grace also speaks about the importance of financial well-being and security, sharing tips from her recent book, Homeless the Millionaire, Six Keys to Uplift with Financial Abundance. Grace is also a well-seasoned mountaineer and her and Margaret discuss the importance of lifting as you climb, not only on a mountain, but also in your career. Thank you so much to Grace for sharing her incredible story and to Margaret. Everyone from the ISC group, I'm Margaret Rusty Melkind, and I am the ISC group chair. And it is my absolute pleasure, honor, and joy to be with you here today with one of my all-time favorite heroes, and that is Grace Vandercruz. Grace is going to share her stories with us today. She's going to inspire us, and we're going to be practicing both gratitude and celebration for who we are, who we want to be. And Grace, I am so pleased and honored to be with you today. I'm excited for you to share with our audience your story, which is compelling and inspirational and moving. So without further ado, everyone, please, Grace Vandercruz. Margaret, thank you so much. Every time I'm with you, I know I'm stronger. You, uh, you embody what the mountaineers say, lift as you climb. And that's exactly what you've done for women in the insurance industry. You are a gladiator, you're a pioneer. You are a, a staunchest supporter of women in the industry. And I so admire you and uh, love working and collaborating with you. And every time we're together, it has uh, enhanced my life and the lives of so many other women. So I'd like to honor you and your work and what you do in the industry for all of us. Thank you, Grace. Thank you so much. Well, Grace, I am so ready to hear your story again, your journey into the world of insurance. And I know it's a fascinating journey and I've heard it a few times, but every time I hear it, I hear something new. So Grace, please tell us your story. Okay, so like most about us listening uh, here, it, I did not grow up thinking I would be in insurance. 
And I love uh, the African proverb, which says, wherever the stream flows, it never forgets its source. And my source is my grandmother. My grandmother had nine biological children with my granddad. And in spite of their limited resources, they found room in their hearts to adopt five young sisters who lost their mom. And my grandmother raised 14 children. And as a result, I am one of 52 grandchildren, 52. Uh, but, as, <laughs> but as we speak here today, I can assure you that I was a favorite. <laughs> in, in fact, my grandmother made us all feel special and she, she had some treasured words. Uh, she did not have a lot of education. In fact, she spoke and, and wrote very well and I would always compliment her and she would say she learned reading and writing from uh, the King James Version of the Bible. So therefore she would say things like, Grace, you have lengthened my years and you have blessed my eyesight. <gasps> so poetically, so loving, uh, so uh, giving, and I cherish and treasure her in tremendously. But her most treasured words to me were believe beyond your limits. And as I lived my life and carried on my journey, I have climbed mountains both li literally and figuratively. And getting back to the world of insurance, I'm second oldest of seven. Uh, my parents and I immigrated to the United States when I was 14 and uh, settled in Brooklyn. In my first year of high school, I'm sorry, my first day of high school, I was given an aptitude test. And at the end of the day, the counselor came out and said, Grace, you can major in one of two things, either accounting or Spanish. I was mystified by both because everything I did was in English. And then, and, and secondly, uh, I did not know what accounting was, but I was always, always intrigued uh, to the road less traveled. I, I love a challenge and I uh, majored in accounting and uh, it was as easy as breathing. Now, just some background my, on my high school. My high school was in Brooklyn, Tilden High School. It graduated uh, uh, both Al Sharpton and Larry King. And uh, so it was quite uh, a background for me. Uh, and after uh, uh, my high school, when I took the Regents and got a perfect score, uh, my, the uh, head of my accounting was an adjunct professor at Pace University. And he introduced me to Pace. I then went to Pace and I uh, majored in accounting. I did six years of auditing, both for E&Y uh, and Grant Thornton, and became absolutely bored auditing companies. I, <laughs> I don't know why you're not surprised, right? I applied and got into Wharton, and between my first and second year, uh, interned at Merrill Lynch in their financial institutions group and just love uh, the dynamic world of finance and mergers and acquisitions. And uh, upon graduation, went back to Merrill Lynch. Uh, soon, uh, and I was in the financial institutions group. Uh, uh, after about a year, I began to focus on insurance. Now, I should point out, everyone in the big group wanted to focus on banks. 
no one touched insurance. And when I inquired why, I was told because insurance did less deals than, than the banking industry. But most importantly, you needed to learn a, set, a second set of accounting, statutory accounting. And I felt since I was a CPA, I knew that that's something I would pick up very easily and that would give me an edge. And it was also less competitive to get on deals and the road less traveled. And so wow. there it was. And that started me in the journey of insurance. I soon got the opportunity to work uh, at Head & Company, which, is, which was the first private equity fund focused in the insurance industry. So at Head & Company, we started Partnery and I got a chance to see the insurance industry from, a, from an owner perspective. And that brings me to 1999 when I got an offer to work at Swiss Re in their investment banking group. Swiss Re had just acquired Foxbit Kelton. And uh, lo and behold, that was when there was a wave of life demutualization happening. And I had the opportunity to work on every single life demutualization in North America, either advising uh, the companies or advising the insurance commissioners, the regulators. And uh, when I became managing director at Swiss Re, we uh, focused on, or at least my group focused on uh, middle market insurance companies in their mergers and acquisitions, and also advising regulators. I am now the founder of Grace Global Capital, an advisory firm in New York, uh, focused on uh, the insurance industries and mergers and acquisitions. And uh, I could not be more excited to work in the insurance industry. Oh, well, Grace, what, uh, what a fantastic journey. And it's not over yet. No. And you're also serving as a corporate director on boards. And I think that is a wonderful compliment and capstone to your brilliant career. So I have to say, I was chuckling, so I will say God bless the auditors because we need them and we love you. Yeah. But how wonderful for you that you saw opportunities and you took that road less traveled. You took a risk. You yes. took chance on yourself. And that is so inspiring and it worked. Yes, yes. You know, I think as women, we always have to keep betting on ourselves. Uh, yes. I, I knew I had a strong foundation in, in math and accounting and great quantitative skills. I knew that I love uh, uh, learning uh, and I love pursuing new opportunities. I do think the insurance industry has uh, a great amount of opportunities that we can take advantage of. And uh, I've seen this industry in many, many cycles, but I think with the uh, in the uh, uh, in the event of in innovation, uh, I don't I I cannot remember this industry being more dynamic than it is today. I yes. think uh, you know I, I I see on the boards there a common theme of innovation, and I think it has really propelled this industry to rethink and reimagine the customer journey and reimagine the way the operation efficiencies are being done within the insurance industry. Absolutely. It is, you know, one of the silver linings, let's call it what it is, of COVID-19. We have an opportunity to reimagine, to transform, and to innovate. And we're doing it. We're doing it in insurance. 
So it's women like you, Grace, black women, brown women, white women coming together and saying, how are we going to do this and finding that way to make it happen? You are a woman who makes it happen. And thank you. Thank you for that. So I have to offer you some heartfelt congratulations. You are an international best-selling author. And I am so excited for you, Grace. I think you have your Hot Off the Presses book. And it is called Homeless to Millionaire, Six Keys to Uplift Your Financial Abundance. So Grace, talk to us about the book. I am so excited for you. Let's see it. Absolutely. So one of the most powerful things we can do as women uh, is share our stories. And uh, I have a, uh, one of my stories uh, that really was a defining point in my life was uh, that occurred between the third and fourth year of my college here in New York. I, um, I went back uh, to my home, my brownstone home that I shared with my family one summer afternoon only to find the entire home up in flames. And Margaret, everything we owned, everything we treasured, everything we considered near and dear to us was destroyed that day. As a matter of fact, uh, I remembered I was um, in charge of uh, salvaging and picking up after, after the firemen left and everything we owned fit in a 13 gallon trash bag with room left to spare. And just when I thought uh, I had seen the worst of it, what I could not see was that the next uh, seven months, we, with our family, would be in a homeless shelter. And uh, living in a homeless shelter is like, in New York City, is uh, going home in a war zone. It is literally a war zone. Your safety, your security is just not uh, certain. And at any moment, things can change. And I remember I recommitted to finishing my education. I recommitted uh, to the passion for really moving forward and getting beyond that point. It's an important story in my journey because I find myself now just not as an advisor for insurance, but also an advocate for insurance. I'm passionate about families remaining safe and healthy. I'm passionate about families insuring themselves. I'm passionate about helping insurance companies build their brands and, and, and get uh, their services and products available to all. And it has really placed me in an interesting time in my life. So uh, as I speak to high school students and communities and churches or, or wherever I go about financial uh, literacy and financial empowerment, my book has become so timely. Uh, in the advent of COVID-19, uh, where it has compounded the disparities, financial health, uh, social disparities uh, in, in, the, in our communities, I think it's important for us to insert 
financial empowerment and financial wellness and financial literacy into the conversation. And I'm so pleased to write this book. I wrote this book in honor of my grandmother. That is wonderful, Greg. And I think what you're saying is so powerful. It's meaningful. And I think th these are words we need to amplify. And we're all about that at ISC Group. Financial yes. literacy, financial abundance, a focus on financial wellness and health. And it's very, very important now more than ever. And we really applaud your efforts, Grace. So um, I'm waiting for the book to be delivered to me from Amazon. So give me a sneak peek. There are six keys. Which key would you like to focus on today that you might share with, with me and our audience? Sure. So the six keys to uplift uh, your financial abundance, uplift coming from my mountain climbing journey, uh, U-P-L-I-F-T, understanding your ancestral and family financial history, uh, P, planning, L is your lifestyle being consistent with your values, I is investing, F is funding your investments, and and T, trust and estates and leaving a lasting uh, legacy. Uh, I, I think what we should really focus on is uh, the lasting legacy. Uh, mm -hmm. I do think if in order to leave such a legacy, this is a step-by-step -step approach. And I look at it as climbing your own financial uh, mountain and your own financial journey. And it really is, uh, has to be a step-by-step -step approach, but I do, I do believe the consistency of it makes a difference. And uh, I, I think there's a tremendous amount of values in the book. I, I wanted to make it simplified, very unintimidating and fun. Uh, so many of the chapters have at the end affirmations, financial affirmations for wellness and for really looking at uh, our future and our, our monies and funding in a new light. And uh, I think a lot of it has to do with what impact do we want to make in our worlds and in society. And I put resources and tools, many of which can be downloaded to an app uh, because financial abundance can be in the palm of our hands. Oh. Grace, that is absolutely uplifting. And we're going to talk later about you as a mountain climber. But I love your rich themes and how you are so centered. You're anchored, you're grounded. Um, we, I'm curious, you know, how you get to your core. I always talk about core as your your character, your outlook, your relationships, and your expectations. And Grace, I must say your core is sound and beautiful and rich. And you share it. You share it with joy uh, with all of us. I want to know what inspires you. What inspires you to be Grace? Well, I was very, very fortunate. Uh, we talk about my big family. I'm one of 52 grandchildren. When I grew up, and I grew up in a small country, I was, uh, I was born in Guyana, South America. It has less than a million people, to, and it's the size of Rhode Island. 
and uh, uh, and I had the ability of loving people raising me. I had several uh, aunts and uncles, my parents, my grandmother who really inspired me. And one of the the most amazing aspect of my childhood was if you were if you were to stop me at four and ask me. Uh, how did I feel about my life? I would tell you that I am rich. I had the wealth of love around me. And I was uh, allowed to speak rather freely about what my, my plans uh, when I grow up would be. And I, my imagination uh, really uh, was allowed to uh, run wild, as it would say. Be, and it really... Uh, instilled a sense of self-worth and confidence in me. And I also think I'm part of the uh, American immigrant story where I'm here uh, as an immigrant, as a proud American, and I believed in the American dream. And I still believe in it. And I believe in possibilities. It's, it's, the, it's the power of possibilities and you're here to explore what's possible and to, to come with that kind of motivation and to be able to experience it and experience the success that I've had, it's been tremendously gratifying. And what's important to me is what legacy do I want to leave behind? And I'm very passionate about education. I'm passionate about supporting scholarships. I'm passionate about going into high school and telling uh, high school students that if I can survive a homeless shelter to stand before you today, there's nothing you can't do. And I do think that it's important that I keep sharing the story. And that's why I'm so proud to wow. share the story in my book. Well, Grace, we are, we celebrate you and your message, your voice, it is powerful, it's passionate and it's compassionate as well. And power and compassion do go hand in hand with you, Grace Vandercruz. And, and thank you for that. Uh, thank you for sharing. I have to shift this conversation to a conversation that you and I have been having all summer long. You and I have been talking about justice and equity. Justice and equity here in America, in insurance, how we can make a difference. And Grace, I know it's a big topic. I know it's one that is dear to you and dear to me. We've had courageous conversations together. Uh, we've cried together. Uh, we've lifted each other up and, and I really do commend you. I'd like I'd like to open our conversation up to our audience because I think that they need to hear what you and I've talked about. And I imagine there have been, and I pray that there have been many courageous conversations that have been going on around the world, like the conversations between this white woman and this beautiful black woman. Grace, talk to me, my friend. Tell okay. me what you're thinking now. Sure. So I'm thinking of the quote that Brian Stevenson, who wrote Just Mercy, says, and he says, the opposite of poverty is not wealth, it's justice. The opposite of poverty is justice. And I, I want us to really keep in mind because we want to create an environment that enables all citizens to move up uh, from poverty 
uh, to uh, a, uh, the ideal American dream, which is uh, um, a meritocracy. And uh, what we see now is the frustration of not having a level playing field. And we're in the middle of an awakening. You know, the, the, the world now knows what the African-American community knew all along. Uh, looking at the George Floyd's eight minutes and 46 seconds tape and how the knee and the neck uh, of this uh, uh, man, while the officer callously put his hand in his pocket, it really symbolizes what's been happening in, in some parts of our society. Why is it important to us at this point? Uh, we are in the insurance industry and uh, the insurance industry has to uh, face its past. We are in an industry that participated, uh, enriched and perpetuated a system that was um, exclusionary and predatory. And uh, we've seen examples all around us uh, dating back to the transatlantic slave trade uh, to even now we look at African-Americans or certain groups of people being discriminated against paying higher rates of premium for less insurance. And at the heart of this is a mistrust. You know, we are at the point where there's been the highest level of mistrust in financial institutions. When you look at the insurance industry in the United States, uh, we are uh, the least trusted, the second least trusted, the only other industry less trusted than us is the cable insurance industry. Uh, they tell us they'll be arriving at our home between eight and five and it, it's just, uh, and the service is as, as, as the worst you can possibly get. And then the insurance industry is perceived to be slightly higher than that. And I do think we are at a point where we can do better. So we are at this age and, and it seems as the industry is at a day of reckoning and there is no unringing of the bell. The industry uh, has to confront and acknowledge its past and really be able to make some active, concrete, conscious, intentional changes in moving forward where there is equity and participation in this industry. Grace, so beautifully said and so powerfully said, and with honesty, you know, that is so important, having the honest conversations, looking it straight in the eye and saying, we need to move from aspiration to action. Be intentional and this change that we want in the world. So we have made a commitment at ISC Group to advance, to lift, to take action, to add more black and brown women to the ISC Group. And I hope you will join us. I hope you will join Grace. I hope you will join me. I hope you will join Bonnie Boone and Kim Waller. And let's make some good trouble. <laughs> as Mr. Lewis said. And when Bonnie said that the first time, and she said, let's make the good trouble with the quotes for John Lewis, I said, I love it because that's what we do, Grace. That is what we do. And we do it with joy. We do it with a smile. We do it with courage. 
fierceness, fierceness. Yes. And I just want to hearken back to theme IFC has from its inception, and that is allyship. Uh, this is an organization that values collaborating with uh, enlightened males, uh, uh, collaborating with companies looking to make a change, looking to make a difference, collaborating with companies who, who understand it's important to have the C-suite representative of the, of the population that, and market that it serves and value the talent and gifts that women bring to the workforce uh, in the insurance industry. You know, women are half of the workforce in the insurance industry, but uh, about 8% in the C-suite. And uh, we are looking to change that. And uh, I like the fact that we lock arm in arms, uh, not only networking with each other to see how we can leave the door open and, and provide uh, opportunities for, for other women. Uh, secondly, providing mentorship to other women in our organization. It is going back to what I said about sharing our stories. We all have stories. Uh, we all have learning experiences that can be helpful. Uh, to women levels below us that we can help enhance and support. And third, just amplifying each other's voices and messages in the industry. Uh, women alone will be uh, transferring over 30 trillion of wealth in the next three to four decades. That is an important, uh, uh, powerful purpose purchasing block that the industry has yet to really fully capitalize on. We play an important role in making that happen. We play an important role to make sure that products and services are tailored and designed uh, for, for our women and for us. Yeah, absolutely, Grace. And, you know, using our voices, amplifying each other, our friendships, our business relationships, the opportunity to celebrate you today is what this is all about. We need to celebrate each other. We need to be grateful for each other. And when you win, Grace, we all win. And that's the we. We have to use the we and we have to use the I. You know, I was having this conversation last night with a dear, dear mentee of mine who also mentors me. And I said to her, step into your power. Stop saying we, we, we all the time. You can say I and you can't say we together. It's powerful. Mix it up and step into yes. your power. Yes. So wonderful. This is, uh, this is terrific, Grace. So I want to go back to something you said earlier that really struck me in a very profound way. Financial wellness. We talk about mental health, we talk about our physical health, but we don't talk about our financial health, our financial wellness. Do you have any advice, any tips for us that we could take away today to make us healthier from a financial standpoint? Sure. Financial wellness is uh, a topic that must be near and dear to women's uh, hearts and minds because women tend to be vulnerable to uh, not being uh, as financially well as we would like. And wellness and health, healthiness are, are, are inter 
linked. So our health and wealth, uh, they're so interconnected that when we are financially healthy, we were able to take better care of ourselves. So about a million Americans file bankruptcy every year, most of them because of looming medical bills. Uh, and the fact that women are living longer lives and uh, the, the child who will be 150 years ha has already been born. So we will be living much longer than we might uh, think we will be. I remember my grandmother's words and she would always say, I have lived longer than I ever thought. And Margaret, she died when she was 83. 83 is considered relatively young because mm -hmm. uh, chances are that many of us will be centurions. And the, the, uh, we are definitely in a, re a longevity revolution. But it's not only about living longer lives, it's about living vital lives. And in order to live vital lives, we need to invest in our health. And in order to invest in our health, we need to invest in our finances because our finances, it's key uh, to healthy lives and, 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 and really taking capitalize on the uh, breakthroughs in, in the health industry that will be taking place. Great advice. And from, from head and heart, and that is the kind of leader that you are, Grace, you're a head and heart leader. It's practical, it's wise, and we just need to do it. So let's take Grace's advice and take good care of our financial health so we can all go to each other's hundredth and beyond birthday parties. Okay, I'll be dancing. It's just not being there. I want to be well enough to dance. <laughs> I love it. We'll be dancing and you'll be climbing. So yes. that is, that's wonderful. So I do want to talk to you about you, Grace, as the mountain climber. Mm -hmm. So when you're not writing your international best-selling books and serving on corporate boards and doing these fantastic transactions all around the world, you climb mountains. Talk to us about how you became a mountain climber. Sure. So I've had the opportunity to reach the pinnacle of over 25 mountain peaks on three different continents. So that's climbing over 100,000 feet. And that would be uh, the entire state building stacked upon itself 67 times. Wow. I could not have imagined this journey. Uh, uh, you know, be prior to climbing, but I started to climb when in 2004, I received an invitation from a Wharton professor and uh, he was inviting me to climb and hike with him to the country of Bhutan. His goal was to get alumni from different backgrounds to embark on this journey where we would climb during the day and then have a bonfire discussion at night on a relevant business issue. And at the time I got this invitation, I had not climbed or ever hiked in my life, uh, but it was right after 9-11 and I had made a commitment to myself after 9-11 to really take more meaningful adventurous vacations. And when I saw this uh, invitation, I viewed it as an opportunity. 
And so uh, three months later, I, find, I found myself in Bhutan with 27 other mountaineers. And our goal was to climb for 14 days, eight days up and six days down. And we were climbing up to 20,000 feet. On the seventh day of our climb, when we were at 17,500 feet, one of our mountaineers got very, very ill. He was medevac, but sadly, he passed away. And when he passed away, it was a devastating blow to our trip. I mean, we could not imagine such a tragedy. And as a group, we came together and decided to curtail our trip to turn down, turn back down from there. Uh, and we uh, went to his family, we, we mourned, and, and the professor and the school uh, was also devastated by this and decided that they would no longer have those type of, of trips uh, again. But a small group of us came together, 11 of us came together, and we decided that uh, we should honor our uh, fallen mountaineers memory and continue these trips. And our group was led by a doctor uh, out of Jacksonville, Florida, Dr. Jerry Maida, and he led the group on our very next year, we went on an expedition and we went to Kilimanjaro. And uh, so fast forward, uh, what, 15 years later, our small, resilient group of mountaineers have climbed over 25 mountain peaks on three different continents. And uh, we are together as a team and have built a tremendous amount of trust uh, for each other. One of the reasons I love climbing mountains is because mountains, climbing mountains remind, reminds me so much of how much mirrors life. It mirrors the journey of, of life. It mirrors the way we approach uh, challenges in our work and in our own personal lives. And the, whether we're, you're sitting in your office or standing on the foot of Mount Everest, the lessons are the same. And so I, I gain a lot of strength from climbing mountains, both literally and figuratively. Well, Grace, thank you. Uh, this is a wonderful journey with you. So, Grace, what do you feel that we should be doing to encourage corporates, organizations, to encourage more women of color to progress and to success? What can we do? How can we use our voices together? Sure. Several ways. I think one, having more women who have reached a, a, a level of leadership within the insurance industry, like myself, to really speak up on behalf of uh, women that are behind us and speak up for those opportunities. I'll give you one example. In 2015, when I was invited to join the board of M Financial, uh, I was the very first woman the very first African-American to be appointed to a 13 male board. And when I received the offer, they asked me, what can we do uh, to, for you to accept this position? And I said, the key thing you need to do for me to accept this position is for you to make a commitment 
that I will be the first, but not the only woman on this board. I need you to demonstrate that your commitment to diversity and inclusion is a meaningful one, that, uh, that you're making uh, concrete, definitive steps in order to change the leadership of the company, the workforce, to really widen the tent for women not only to be recruited, but for them to have a pathway for leadership. And so the key uh, for us is what I call the three A's. It's really raising the awareness uh, within corporation of this uh, amazing untapped market. Uh, second is to give women more access, more access to leadership, more access to the C-suite, more access to uh, sponsors, uh, not only in the company, but also within the industry. And, to, and third is accountability. We need to hold the CEOs accountable. And by accountability, I mean have, uh, have a part of the pay uh, be uh, based on the success of the DNI program and the and, and measurable goals that must be set and met. Other than that, the industry will just be having platitudes and empty PR statements that are being made. We need to see action. And now is the time for action. If the industry can't act at this moment, if the industry does not seize this moment, we have lost a key opportunity. And it's going to be felt in the top and bottom lines of the insurance industry. Amen to that, Grace. And you are absolutely right. This is an opportunity for men and women to lift together. And this journey of diversity and inclusion, which is now our journey of diversity, equity, and inclusion, which I love, when we use that term equity, it brings another dimension to our conversation. And this conversation needs to be had and it is being had all over the globe right now. And let's keep having the conversation and let's keep acting intentionally. What you said, Grace, and you know, think about it, five years ago to M Financial, let me not be the only African-American woman. It's important to use our voices. It's important. On Very important. And then let's go back to M Financial. Uh, when we use our voices, uh, uh, sometimes we just don't realize at that moment the impact that has. Uh, Margaret, you and I had this conversation when uh, we were at a, a last uh, seminar and someone said, Grace, how was it being the only uh, female to, work, to walk into an all-male boardroom? How did that feel? And I said, uh, have you seen the movie Guess Coming to Dinner? And the audience laughed. And my goal is to make sure that we don't have any of those moments, that the, the floodgates of opportunity becomes open. But since that time at M Financial, they've made tremendous strides on equity, diversity, and inclusion. Uh, we've hired a new CEO. He is African-American. The very next uh, board member that came on board was indeed a woman. There are several programs in place where we are measuring how women are being recruited 
and uh, promoted and retained within the industry. Uh, I, I do think I would like to encourage every woman on this call to really use your voice for change. I, I do think we have an opportunity and we need to speak up. We do, we do. Speak up and lift up, right Grace? Oh yes. What was your biggest challenge that you overcame that you are most proud of? And I love that math came easy to you. So Grace, you were a STEM girl. Yes, I was a STEM girl. I went to Catholic school and the nuns had me uh, adding and doing a lot of mathematical calculation. And I did it as drills and it came very, very easy for me and to me. And it's important as, as girls to understand where your strengths and skills lie very, very early and really believe in going forward and really exploring those skills. So my biggest challenge I would say was confidence. You know, I was, I grew up, you know, the good Catholic girl, uh, very quiet, you know, speak when you're spoken to. And I had to learn that my voice uh, and my ideas uh, carry a lot of value. And I had to learn to speak up. And I do think one of the, I heard a statement that Madeline Albright made and someone asked her, how is it, how do you excel in a room full of men? And she said, oh, I learned how to interrupt. You just interrupt. And she said, actually, the men do it all the time. They just interrupt. Don't wait for your turn. It may never come. And uh, there's a reason why you're in the room. And, and while you're there, take advantage of it. Seize the moment. And the way we seize moments is by using our voice. And the, the most impactful way we can use our voice is to really enhance uh, the, the, the support of others uh, around us. And I think it's, it's very, very important for us to gain the confidence to continually and consistently use our voice. Absolutely, Grace. And such powerful words here. So I'm going to tell you, so many men and women have asked me, how do I make that impact on this two-dimensional screen? So I'm going to say, lean in, use your hands, gesture. You see Grace doing it. It's really important. And when you do want to speak and you are not being heard, raise your hand. It's okay. Put the hand up. I remember Maggie Westdale always saying, you know what? When I was the only woman in that boardroom and I wanted to be heard, that hand was a sign. I wasn't asking for permission. I was giving a signal. Here I am. Let me be heard. And this is so important. When Grace and I are on one of these Zoom calls together and I know she wants to speak or she knows that I want to speak, I will have eye contact with her. I know her. And you should get to know your other female colleagues. If I know Grace has something to say or I want to give Grace the floor, I'll say, Grace, I know you have thoughts about this. Would you share those thoughts with all of us? I lift her. She lifts me. Really, really. 
And also, secondly, if another woman in the room raises her voice and you see that she's being ignored or being minimized, it's up to you to say, as, as Maria just said or Sally just said, we should. Uh, let's support and amplify each other. You know, and we can do it in many ways. We can do it by resharing our tweets or our social media statements. We can do it by in a room just saying as XYG just said. And uh, it's very important for us to keep doing so. Absolutely. So Grace, we have another question for you. So look into your crystal ball, that beautiful crystal ball. Grace, what would you like to see happen as an industry achievement in the next five years? I don't know if I can wait five years, but let's put it out to five years. What do you think? Sure, my major concern is the uninsured, the untapped market that the industry is either ignoring or unable to sell because they've lost sight of the customer journey. Insurance is one of the hardest products to sell. The, and, and quite frankly, according to the Wall Street Journal two weeks ago, it's the hardest product to sell. It is an imperative that we disrupt that and make sure that insurance is easy, accessible, and, and, and the customer journey is very Amazon-like. Because when you look at the uninsured population, many of them vulnerable to climate change. Uh, the wealth gap continues to increase. We've got a social, moral, and financial imperative as an industry to really transform that. And it is up to each and every one of this call to make sure that that cycle is disrupted. And the best time to disrupt that cycle is now. Right I'll now. Give, I'll, right now. I'll give you one statistic, and this is even pre-COVID. The net wealth of the African-American community by the year 2050 is zero. I will not stand still and allow that to happen. And unless we say, not on my watch, and I think the industry has a unique opportunity. When you think of what we sell, what do we do? We restore, not, even before we restore, we create, we restore and we re rebuild legacies uh, for society and for each citizen. And given just the importance of the social and financial impact of our products, this is where, at this point, is where the insurance industry should be shining. This is when we tell the, we, we share the message of our brands and the mission-driven uh, messages of our companies of what the industry can do in society. My goal is to see 1 billion, 1 billion more people insured. And why can that be? We can get this done, we can do it. Absolutely. I love your crystal ball, Grace. And it is, it's time for us to seize the moment. And we are in a global pandemic. How do we use this opportunity to ignite the change that we know needs to happen? I feel that it's happening. I am courageously positive. I think many of you know this, but it feels, it feels like we are seeing that proverbial needle shift and we are moving the needle and now we need momentum. We need more, we need more, Grace. 
Is there anything that we can do today? We talked about five years out. What can we do as we're in this moment on these screens, staying safe, taking care of ourselves mentally, physically, financially? What can we do now in COVID-19? Sure. So we talk about the three A's and just to reiterate, which is awareness, raising the awareness, which I believe uh, it's, it's, has been done for the most part. We talk about access and we really do need to do much more in terms of access, access of our inch of the industry uh, products to the consumer, access of uh, social mobility within firms. Uh, we need much more access. And then we talk about the third, which is accountability. Uh, and we see what happens when company makes their PR statements and then you match it up against the leadership and it does not match up. Uh, in order to really increase the trust for this industry, in order for this industry to thrive at this time, the accountability factor must increase. And so I'm just very, very proud to be an advocate for this industry and to push for meaningful changes in all of those three areas. You are an advocate, you are an ambassador, you are a voice that is listened to and we need that voice, Grace. And we do have another um, topic in question that is so uh, timely, especially today, um, that's climate change. We have hurricanes and wildfires going on and we send our prayers and our best wishes to all of those that are affected. But what can the industry do? What, what should we be doing, Grace? Uh, I know that's a big, heavy question, but if we don't start, we'll never get there. Education. Education and raising awareness, I think are the two key things. Uh, we live in uh, a society that uh, with many skepticism about science, uh, climate change deniers. And I think the industry really plays a pretty critical role in really raising education. Because when you look at it, uh, the our insurers are already paying the price uh, for climate change. It's been factored into the models already. And we really need to lift that awareness with our consumers to say in, in, in really simple, understandable language of what this means, how this would change the way we live, work, the way we conduct our lives because of climate change. And uh, to just sit and wait for storms and be reactive is unsustainable. Uh, I think this is a time that we can be very proactive. We can, we can partner with our insureds uh, we can partner with our citizens to really help them uh, mitigate their risk, help them live in places uh, that are less susceptible to climate change, help them understand how it factors into their policies if they choose to live in higher risk areas. We can make a difference in, uh, through education and awareness in our uh, cons cons customers' lives. Yeah. Thank you for that, Grace. And, and more on that, I know so many in our audience are so committed to climate change and making that difference. So more to come on that. I think that that needs to be a whole other broadcast. And I know we've been out there and I know we have so many of our great ISC ambassadors who are making that difference. 
So Grace, as, as the clock winds down here, I want to give you another opportunity to leave us with your uplifting words, with your call to action, with your advice, because we need it right now. And we will amplify it and we will pass it on. So Grace, send us out there. Send us out there with your heart and head wisdom. Sure. So I know we live in unprecedentedly difficult times. COVID-19 has really changed the way we work, we communicate, and it has impacted every single one of our lives. I know that we are more isolated than we would like to be. I would like to leave you with the three C's. And I think uh, one is courage. This is the time for us to take courage, courage in speaking out, courage in making effective changes, uh, really take courage. And then the second is community. We need to really uh, network with like-minded women, like-minded men. We need to develop allyships. We need to increase the level of uh, interaction and engagement amongst ourselves. Uh, we need to really communicate more because of the stress factor is, is really great. And then uh, the last is collaboration. Uh, I, I learned this from climbing a mountain. Uh, you can never climb alone. And when I'm climbing a mountain, I am roped into my harness to the person in front of me and the person behind me. And there is an invisible thread that binds us all that we need to, particularly at this time, tap into and tap into the, the, that uh, richness of relationships and trust that we can build amongst ourselves. And so, I just wanted to leave this audience with the three C's, courage, community, and collaboration. Grace, thank you. Beautiful, inspiring. I feel the bond. I feel that rope. I feel right next to you on this beautiful climb this morning. So I want to leave you with something. So I received a beautiful card yesterday. And inside the card was this quote, and I'm going to read it to you, Grace. Mm. It's the hard days, the days that challenge you to your very core that will determine who you are. Sheryl Sandberg. Yes. And I thought about you, and it's a mountain climber, Grace. It's a <laughs> mountain climber. So here you are. Thank you for the gift. The gift you gave all of us today, your energy, your courage, your hope, your inspiration. I applaud you. I love you. I treasure you. Thank you, Grace Vandercruz, from all of us. And to all of you, and I applaud you as well. And I honor you, Margaret. Thank you so much.